0: Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com.
1: War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything. Auburn, I know you thought we left you, but... Have no fear. We are back. Taylor Davis, Jason Campbell, here to talk everything Auburn football. Apologies for no episode last week. I know coming off the Penn State game, it was tough for us to not record an episode, but scheduling sometimes gets in the way. Jay and I both have a lot of other, you know, jobs and commitments, and unfortunately it just didn't work last week, but we are going to talk Penn State a little bit on this episode Of course, talk what happened this past weekend against Georgia State. There's plenty to talk about, what has transpired since, and the matchup with LSU that's looming. So buckle up, people, because we got a lot to cover in this episode, but we will certainly be thorough and give you all the information. But first, a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. We're back, and better than ever, all eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on the field for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. You can go to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. But you got to use our promo code BLEAV. To receive your bonus from football, basketball, boxing, even your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Again, go sign up and use the code believe B L E A V to receive a 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, let's go ahead and check in with my fantastic co-host, the man, the myth, the legend, J.K.M. What's up, Jay?
0: Woo, what's going on, <laughs> Taylor? I tell you what, what a weekend, right? Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. you know, didn't get a chance to recap the Penn State game. We'll do a little bit here, but yeah. really looking forward to jumping into this what happened over the weekend type deal and what's continuing to transpire. But, hey, in all in all, I'm good. I'm healthy. I'm here. I'm having fun. And um, (laughs) I think you just like to follow me, Taylor, because I was leaving New York and you was actually flying. Isn't that
1: weird? (laughs) Our schedules just keep strangely (laughs) aligning, but then we never see each other. It's so flipping weird. But we're going to dive into it. Let's start with the Penn State game last week. Obviously, the biggest game of the season to that point, going into Happy Valley, good gracious if I had a dollar for every time somebody brought up how the crowd was going to affect Auburn. Like, good Lord, it was all week, all day, But they handled it incredibly well. Obviously an L is very unfortunate, but 28 to 20, it really came down to the end. They were driving down as time ran out. I mean, like it really was close and there were a lot of positives. I was impressed by the way they handled the stage. They handled the noise. There were some really terrible officiating calls in this game. Some hindered us, some hindered Penn State. Um, But regardless, let's talk about some positives to take away in this. Um, I think Take Bigsby is just continuing to show what he's capable of. He had 102 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Very unfortunate that we lost to Kobe McClain to that targeting call because he was playing very well. I think you even saw it this week, what a – Difference this guy makes for the unit as a whole when he's on the field and when he's not, even in terms of energy. So that was an unbelievably terrible call. And it has been confirmed since then that it was the incorrect call, which we all knew even in replay, but nonetheless. Uh, and Bo Nix was 21 of 37 for 185 yards. But the conversation that I think needs to be had is some of the play calling. A goal line fade attempt on fourth down. Was a terrible call in that situation, and uh, really, you could say, kept us. I mean, it's neither here nor there because there was also a terrible fumble to start the second half, whatever. But that was a really terrible play call. I think at some point, these players have to step into their own. Bo Nix has got to step into his own. But there's also aspects that we're not helping these players in certain situations like that. So Talk to me a little bit about just your overall impression of the team in this game, how they handled it, and then kind of what you thought about the, I guess, the assistance or lack thereof that was given to them by some of the play calling.
0: Well, I say this, uh, going up to Penn State, like you said, everybody was talking about the noise and all the things that shouldn't matter to the players because we have to have tunnel vision. and. (laughs) I thought the guys did a really great job of having tunnel vision. I thought they was well-prepared. I thought they went into that game with the mindset to come out of there with a W. Uh, I thought the effort was great. Uh, like I said, it, you can't turn the ball over. That's number one. Yeah. You know, you turn the ball over, especially where we turned the ball at, over oh. at, and, and they're <laughs> coming out of halftime on their side of the field. So it, was, it wasn't it was far for them to go to have to turn that into points. So, right. But, you know, we're still a young football team, uh, you know, still – a team that's growing, but at the same time we showed up like, mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing. There's been some games that we haven't showed up before in, in the past, but the guys showed up and they read, I think that game kind of prepared them for going to LSU this week, which will uh-huh. be a night game. Because to me, LSU still is the pivotal night game atmosphere yeah. out of all colleges. And like I said, Penn State is great because of the whiteout. It's a fun experience. But you want to talk about a noise level, it still doesn't get harder than LSU at nighttime. So our right. guys was already prepared for that because they play in the SEC where all these stadiums, pretty much except for Vanderbilt maybe, has crowd noise. And they right. get into it because they love the game of football. And that's true. so I just feel like, you know, for us, the goal line call to fourth and two, listen to Coach Harson's interview afterwards, Bo did not read the right side of the field. And to me, it makes sense now because I'm just like, why would we call an inside fade to Kobe Hudson, who's a young receiver that barely has experience on a fourth and two? It's not a high percentage throw. It's not like throwing the ball, you know, between, you know, two guys has been together for three years and they have that type of connection. Uh, So. So the ball was supposed to be been – the game was – I mean, the, the play was supposed to have been read on the opposite side of the field and then to tank over the ball. So that's something that, you know, they had to go back to the, to the drawing boards. And, and Bo has to be on the same page as office coordinator. They have to make sure they're thinking alike and they're doing things the same way. So that goes back to just taking the time out to understand why he's calling what he's calling, and then you as the quarterback executing it. Uh, from a standpoint of the receivers – you know, there was a play there that or Jackson could have had a huge play on a double move. You know, he mm-hmm. just got to learn to keep his foot in. Uh, these are big, tall receivers, and they can load guys to sleep sometimes. I always say, the bigger guys have a better opportunity to get an open on double moves than just a quick guy. Because on a quick guy, the DB is going to give him a little bit more space because of the threat they get behind him. But a right. big guy, if they see him stopping, they usually want to jump the route, try to get the interception. So you're going to win on some of those double moves. You see in the Georgia State game, we missed, we missed a couple this past game on the double moves. So Overall, Penn State game, I wasn't disappointed. I was kind of encouraged because if you fix a little some of those little things, then we come out victorious against a team that's supposed to be really good in their background, in their home. I thought our guys did a really good job of, uh, especially on the Coach Harson's first big game at Auburn.
1: Right. It's interesting because the result of that one was actually an L, but aspects of it felt like a win. This past weekend was the complete opposite. The result of it was a win, but so many aspects of it actually feel like a loss. Sean Clifford, their quarterback, had all day to throw the ball. He was 28 of 32 for 280 yards and two touchdowns. And I'm sorry, I think that this guy is certainly coming into his own, but we made it so much easier for him. The pass rush was practically non-existent. I give credit to their offensive line but that has to be something that we figure out moving forward with a lot of the quarterbacks that are still looming that we're going to face. You can't give them that much time, but I will say for our defense, the rush defense, I think did a, a a better job. We held them to 89 rushing yards and it's not that they don't have caliber backs. They absolutely do. So we did a great job with stopping the run. The pass rush has got to improve.
0: No, you're exactly right. when you talk about the pass rush. Like I know we've been harping on the last two weeks, you know, you're hearing everybody talking about it. Like, you know, we probably have one of the best Best secondaries in in college football. How come mm-hmm. guys keep getting open and getting so many completions are getting made? Well, that happens when you don't have a pass rush. Like exactly. DBs are as good as the guys that are in front of them, and because mm-hmm. when they can sit there and hold the ball and pat the ball, then a DB cannot hold a guy for that long. At some point, he's going to get open, and that's kind of what's happening in in the situation right now. Even in the Georgia State game this past weekend, it's oh the same thing. Like we couldn't create a pass rush, and I'm just yep. like. That's the only thing about a 34 defense. When you have a 34 defense, you got to have a dog at nose guard that can draw two people so that you can get those guys on the outside rushing where they can have single matchups, single one-on-ones, where they can win their one-on-one battle and get pressure on the quarterback that make him have to get rid of the ball. So if we can't create pressure from just a straight 34 defense – then we're going to have to start blitzing a lot more. And that way we're going to try to start adding another guy in there to make the ball come out quicker because we cannot sit back with the teams we have coming up on our schedule that nope. loves to throw the football around and let them just pinpoint our DBs because we're going to be in for some long, long days. And I thought, yeah. I just thought like in the Penn state game up front, we ran the ball very good. against a really yeah. good defensive front defensively. We've played really good. Like you said, against the rush, yep. but Then the opposite happened this weekend in Georgia State. We just got ran through. I know McLean and Papo wasn't there in the first half, and all of a sudden McLean comes back in the second half, and they only get one first down. They punt the rest of the time. Uh So he made a huge difference. But I'm just like, guys, still though, like, how are we getting knocked off the ball for over 200-some yards rushing in the first half? Like, against Georgia State, let's just call it what it is, what it is. Like, you have to win up front first. And then they was getting pressure on us in the passing game. Yep, I was just like, we supposed to be dominating this team. And yeah. yes, they have college athletes and yes, they played their hearts out. They played their butts out. They had a well-played a well schedule. A lot of me want to believe that our kids were still reeling from the Penn State game because they went totally. there with everything to win and they came out with a loss and they still was feeling kind of down. So they were, and this game is kind of in between another big game and it's almost like, they was prepared, but really their mind wasn't there. And then I'll say, you look up, you're in a doll fight, and now you're mm-hmm. fighting to try to just come out with a W. So I was glad that we were just able to get the W because I know we're a better football team than that. It's just the fact that it came at the wrong time.
1: It looked like the very thing that he hangs his hat on. Like, he is so big on disciplined football and disciplined – operations as a team and this was one of the sloppiest games you know good things to take away from the Penn State game but I think you're absolutely right Jay I think there was an aspect of this game that looked like they were already past it and that is where so many times when I cover games like this, we get so tired of when the coach speak comes in about no, this is a this is a great opponent. We're <laughs> focused on this. We're not looking ahead. This is a one and no mentality. Bleat, blee blee. But like this is exactly why they have to do that because it is possible. It's rare. But it is possible when you are sandwiched between a Penn State game on the road and an LSU game in Death Valley, where we have not won since 1999, Hmm. playing Georgia State at home for homecoming, you are you are only human, you know, and so like, yes, you it is got to be near impossible to get as up and as laser focused on this one as you have been the one prior, and you will be the one looking forward, even from a fan perspective, it's hard. Like that narrative is so difficult to not fall into. And it looks like exactly how they were playing. We did win 34 to 24. That score in no way tells the story of what the game happened. Like that looks way more comfortable than it ever was. Um, what changed the game for Auburn? You have already touched on it. Was Kalen Newton's blocked punt for a touchdown? That was what you define as clutch because nothing was going our way up until that point. But I mean, the storyline here has to be Bo Nick's, right? I mean, at, T.J. Finley came in in the third quarter, and I think that may be something that Harson is going to start to grapple with here because T.J. Finley came in and led the team to a win. That that is what happened, and yes, it's only one game, but how long do you let Bo Nick show you inconsistency?
0: Now let's get into the meats and <laughs> potatoes and the gravy. <laughs> oh man, yes, yes, yes. Let's talk. Let's talk, Taylor. Go ahead. You know, to all the fans out there, I know everyone wants to know, especially our opinion on this, and mm-hmm. especially because play the position. But this this can go two ways. Okay. And I was talking on the show this morning, and the, the you have to approach this very carefully if you're Coach Harson. And the reason why is the quarterback is the quarterback position is the leadership position on your football team. So I take away these two things. Yes. When I looked at Bow this past Saturday playing, it almost looked like he was pressing the whole time because if you look at his feet work, his feet was always moving and his, and it just felt like he never really felt comfortable in the pocket. Like he was overthrowing a lot of balls that was like, he would overthrow deep down the field. He would throw a lot of ball that was high over the receiver's heads because his feet wasn't set and his body wasn't in a position to make an accurate pass. And to me, when that when I see that, it tells me as a quarterback, there's a lot going on in his mind mentally, and he's not confident in what he's doing right now. And so watching that, they had to do something. So, yes, they had to put TJ in there. The team was kind of reeling. We had a couple of drives. We were able to sustain drives. Uh, passing game was just looking in and everyone has to be accountable into that. You know, offensive line, letting pressure come up, you know, Bo missing some easy throws sometimes and then receivers not being where they supposed to be when they supposed to be there. And all of a sudden it's just looking, you know, stuck. And so I think they had to have done something. And so you're trying to win the game. You're Coach Harson. You're getting paid a lot of money to be Auburn's head coach. Like this is a game you must win. And, wow. And so I think when he put T.J. in there, right when T.J., before T.J. got in there, Caleb had to block punt for a touchdown. So that helped us. But then once the offense took the field, it almost felt like the guys had a little bit more energy mm-hmm. and and everything. And then all of a sudden they seemed to rally a little bit more. And then let's face it, T.J. made some really good plays. He missed some open throws as well. He missed the, right. you know, two deep balls. But I think a lot of that as well is not having that time with those guys. But mm-hmm. at the same time, he made some awesome plays. Like on the third and five, like he's almost falling down and he flicks the ball to a crossing route and we pick up a first down and keeps the drive going. And then mm-hmm. he runs up the field. We always talk about how Bo likes to go sideways. Yeah. You know, TJ went up in the pocket mm-hmm. and picked up like 15 to 17 yards on the scramble as a six-seven mm-hmm. guy. You know, that keeps the drive going. So, and then he scrambled outside the pocket and makes a throw on the sideline because his body is moving towards towards the towards the throw and not away from the throw. So he was able to make an accurate throw on the sideline, which was a huge another point to keep the drive going. So there's plays as a quarterback that you have to make that are off schedule that keeps drives going. And that's what your teammates want to see. That's what coaches want to see, because not everything is going to be the way you draw it up. And I think for Bo, this can work one or two ways for him. He can look at this, I mean ask you for your opinion. He can look at this and say, "Hey, I can look at the glass half full or I can look at it and look at myself in the mirror and say, I just got to do better. I got to yeah. I got to cuz he's he's never ever in high school been benched Nope. In college, he wasn't redshirted, So then he's never he never really watched the game uh-huh. from another lens and from another level. This was his first time in his career where he had to watch the game from another level. And yep. if he's the if he's if he approached this the right way, it'll make him a better quarterback because he had a chance to see another quarterback out there perform and see things at a different level. So when he do get the opportunity to play again, he could be better. But okay. he can also go the other way. If you, uh-huh. if you get into your feelings and you're not getting involved with your teammates because you're so worried about what just Yourself. happened to you, yeah, what just happened to you, then you can also lose some of your teammates and some of the guys because they're gonna see you as standoffish. So uh-huh. he can learn a lot from this by saying, okay, this happened to me, I'm glad we won the game, but I need to be still more involved with my teammates, supporting them and rooting them on It's a Jalen Hurts and Tua situation. Absolutely. Let me go in there and keep supporting my guys because guess what? If things come back my way, I want them to know that I'm a team guy too. And I'm glad that we won the game because if we don't win the game, I'm not the only one feeling bad. The whole team is feeling bad. Now we're in a complete disarray. So this is a very huge learning point. If you're bold, you take it the right way. And for TJ to come in the way that he came in and lead this team to victory, you know it had to rally some of the guys. Like it looked that's just like, how it. It, yeah, it just look that just how that's how it goes. But this is a critical week, though, Taylor. I say this, Coach Harson, if he's going to make a quarterback decision, and then I'm gonna let you take the floor. If you want going to make a quarterback decision, he has got to make it early in the week. Because you don't want the guys going home at their apartments and dorms talking about man, who you think you're gonna start, who you think gonna start and all that. You don't want that. You want the guys to be locked and focused on LSU. But everybody else on the outside, like me and you and everybody else, we don't have to know. Like we're
1: not. We're not gonna
0: know. Yeah, LSU don't need to know. Make them prepare for both guys. And then all of a sudden, so that's strategy, you know. But for your team perspective, they need to know, but not tell everybody because they need to know and start getting reps. So if it's going to be Bo, they need to have a conversation and just say that. If it's going to be TJ, they need to have a conversation and say that. But I say this, if you choose to go with Bo, then that means, okay, you're trying to see how he rebounds from being taken out of a situation and see how he responds. And if he responds well, then this is the guy you keep rolling with. But if he wow. doesn't, then you know TJ is your guy up. My gut feeling, I think they're going to remain the same just because the simple fact, Coach Harson's all about trying to see how guys respond, just like he didn't play tank the whole 98 yard drive, like uh-huh. that's on purpose. Yeah. So I think he's in a situation where he wants to make the right decision, but he wants to put everything out there first before he makes any permanent decision. And it's not just a quarterback position, but in all positions as we'll talk about here later.
1: When you first started talking about Bo, you said he was pressing, His feet were constantly moving. He didn't look like he trusted anything. Jason, we have been saying those exact things for two years now. Those exact comments have been plaguing this guy since he got here. And if it's compromising wins for this team, I don't know how much longer you go with it. And that's what got people so frustrated with Gus Malzahn because it looked like He was going to live and die on the sword of Bo Nix, regardless who was over there—Joey Gatewood, what have you—and I feel like Bo is forcing Harson's hand. Like he wants to give him the reins. He wants Bo to be the guy, and he has put that confidence out there in regards to Bo up until this point of the season. But at some point, like Bo isn't doing himself any favors, and he's forcing Harson's hand in this, and. If you give T.J. Finley the opportunity and he doesn't show you anything, then yeah, Bo has the edge because of his experience, his veteran status, whatever, but like T.J. came in. And took advantage of the opportunity given to him and honestly it's exactly what you always harp on jay that like you're never one you're never more than one play away from your opportunity are you ready for it when it comes what i saw more than anything from him was composure the guy Mm -hmm. was composed in a make or break situation in the fourth quarter that play was for sure about to fall apart tj remained composed he evaded the pressure well first up he picked up the pressure evaded the pressure but his eyes were downfield the entire time I I'm actually gonna go opposite Jay I think I think Finley gets the start this week I really do I think that while it will create such noise Although I agree with you, I don't think we are going to know. I think it's going to be a mystery until someone takes the field. But I also think this is crazy coincidence that this happened the week before TJ returns to a team that he is completely familiar with because he was on it six months ago. Like this is a stadium that he has played in. These are guys that he has played against and knows how they approach games. Now, now granted, they know the same about him. This defense will know his tendencies. They know his approach to a game, but I just, I don't know. I'm going to go against you for kicks and giggles. I just think (laughs) it'll be Finley. That will get the start in Death Valley this week. But I don't, I wouldn't say that I think the Bo Nicks era is over unless Finley just completely balls out and continues to do what is needed. That would be wild.
0: And that's why he has to utilize this as a learning experience because, exactly. like I said, because this is unfamiliar territory to him. But he has to understand, like, this is part of your maturing and maturation process as well. Like, you know, you have to go through some valleys and, you know, it's all about how you handle the valley, which is going to determine your your mountaintop. So he, he has got to just, you know, yes, you're gonna be pissed because you're a competitor. You're gonna be upset. But guess what? Those same guys, blood, sweat, and tears with you, and with something not going right with them and their position, guess what? They get pulled. You know, everybody just don't see it as much because it's a receiver position. It's a lineman position. It's not the highlight position. Except Your position is the highlight position because you're the person that touched the ball every place. So Mm -hmm. when you get pulled, yes, everybody takes notice. Everybody notices it. But if a receiver got pulled, yeah, probably very few people notice it unless they're just eyeing it down the whole time. So, you know, it's all about and you are being watched by your peers. Like when things aren't going your way, they're trying to see like, okay, how is he going to react to this? Yeah. You know, they're not giving up on you or anything. They just want to see how you're going to react to it. Uh-huh. And uh, so he has got – so this is a great learning experience for him because if he approaches it the right way, he'll be a better quarterback. He'll be, a better, he'll be even a better person, put it that yeah. way. I was a redshirt freshman. We had a winning pool. pool hey me, Daniel Cobb. Guess what? Yeah. I didn't start for three games. And then all nope. of a sudden, that guy still played in a few, but I didn't start. But guess what? When I right. got a chance to start again, it helped me. You nope. know what I'm saying? Because – I was highly recruited. I was number two quarterback in the nation coming out of high school. I hadn't faced that before. And I was a, and I was a young guy, so I still had a lot to learn and yep. everything. So, uh, you know, it's just all about just staying ready and being prepared. Like TJ could have been sullen and then his opportunity come he could have laid an egg, yep. but because he's always been preparing and staying involved when the opportunity presented his presented itself, he was able to take advantage of it because he was prepared. He was ready. Right. so that's what you always have to do you gotta you gotta do that and bo has to understand that whether you're in college or any level you're always one play away whether you're the starter or you're the backup you're one play away and i know it's redundant sometimes you just say well you know i gotta prepare myself like a starter yeah you can say it's redundant but no you really do need to prepare yourself like you're a starter like mentally you have to say yourself i'm a starter it's just only one person can start let's face it we haven't seen enough of him yet either you know what i'm saying so if coach want to say i want to utilize this game so i can see more of him like in a full game and bo you're gonna back up this game then that's a decision that he makes it's not saying one thing or another now if he chooses to go with Bo, is what i'm saying if he goes with Bo, then he's saying okay bo i want to see how you're going to respond and how did you take this and did you learn anything because this is another big game in LSU, we hadn't even hit the gunler our schedule yet. We're talking about no. this like we still got the Ole Miss, the Arkansas, oh, the, you know, the Georgians, the Bama's, the Mississippi States, the Texas A and M. Like we ain't yeah. even got to though. This is after Georgia State game. So if you're ever going to do some ironing out some things or you want to try some things, you might want to start trying them right now and then.
1: Maybe it'll be the shakeup that they needed, the wake up that they needed, but nine drops this season for wide receivers. And we still don't feel like we've got that like emerging star with that, like make or break mentality, which I guess has led to the decision that wide receiver coach, Cornelius Williams was fired on Sunday after the game. A lot of reactions coming off this one, just in terms of, you know, is that the fair, you know, place to put blame um does the punishment fit the crime here's the thing though I feel like if a coach is fired four weeks in like this I don't think that it's solely what we're seeing on the field I think that there's gotta there's gotta be other aspects to this we don't know how you know business operations go inside that you know athletic department and what Harson saw or didn't see that led him to believe this wasn't the right fit that matched with how the receivers have performed thus far this season he he pulled the plug. Um, offensive analyst Eric, no idea how to pronounce that. Kesaw, <laughs> Kaisaw, whatever, um, is expected to step in as wide receivers coach. He was the OC and quarterback coach at Boise State with Harson. He came here with him, um, which also causes people to talk because this staff does include a lot of Boise State people. And mm-hmm. is it? a matter of these truly are the best people for the job or is this you know for lack of a better term like a good old boy system? you know what I mean where you're like yeah. I'm gonna bring my friends and my people because we have such this pride for what we did at Boise State and we're gonna come to the SEC and show you that we we are the real deal and, and I'm not knocking any of the Boise State people that have been brought over I have sung Harson's praises since he got here I I, I think very highly of him but this is a very different situation than the Mountain West. And I think it's imperative that you have ties to the conference or ties to this part of the country, honestly. So that's, that's where things stand right now. And hopefully these wide receivers come into their own because regardless who's under center, like nine drops in four games where three of the opponents were, for all intents and purposes, beneath your level of competition... Um, you're not going to win ball games with that many drops. You're not.
0: Well, let's say this: there are a lot of opinions that started scrolling around when this first happened. You know, one opinion was that people think that they was using this as a cover up for Bold regressing. Um, you know, and this guy has to be the the downfall guy. So that was floating around. Then there was an opinion where, okay, the receivers are you know, not getting it done. There's a lot of different substitutions going on during the game. We're not keeping consistent guys on the, on the field at the right time to find the rhythm. So I had to think long and hard about this because, like you said, when things first come out, the first thing to say is to say, oh, let's blame this, let's blame that. But after I thought long and hard about it, I really think Coach Hartson hired Cornelius first and foremost It's like what you just said in the beginning, recruiting. Like Cornelius come from Troy. So he was from Troy. He grew up in the state of Alabama. Right. And so he's from that Birmingham area, you know, the Trestfield area. And I think he felt like, okay, if I can go get Cornelius because he's a young coach, a very young coach, then I can get the plug him into some of the Southeastern from a recruiting standpoint to help bring in some talent because he knows the area well. And I think once they kind of got into it, I think Coach Harson probably like, okay, we're four weeks in. This, it's just not a good fit. Like, uh-huh. I thought from a recruiting standpoint, it'd be a good fit. But from an offensive system and what we're trying to do from a system standpoint, because him and Bobo have been knowing each other for 10 years, what we're trying to do is just not, he's not getting what we're trying to do with our receivers and uh-huh. what we want from them to do. So I think a lot of it had to, performance base which a lot of accountability has to come to the receivers mm-hmm. like if you're a running back coach and your running backs fumbles the ball all the time who's getting fired right the running back coach so it's no different than a receiver like you just said there was nine drops in three games that we should have dominated those three right. opponents and You're having those type of drops and, you know, guys are falling down on routes and not getting where they're supposed to get, when they're supposed to be there. When you have those type of things going on, Cornelius could be coaching his butt off. He could be telling them to do exactly what they're supposed to be doing. And it's just not registering to the players and they're not getting it done. And now and it's just unfortunately the coach has to get fired for it. Right. So the accountability needs to come. If I'm a receiver and I'm sitting in the locker room this week, I'm going to take a little bit more accountability knowing that somebody lost their job because I wasn't doing mine. Right. And so I'm going to step up and do better, first and foremost. It's still unfortunate because he can't get his job back. Right. Great thing for him, he still gets a buyout and get paid for it, but he don't get his job back to do what he loves to do, which is to coach. Mm-hmm. But you still get to play football. So yeah. you need to light a match up under your butt and get out there and start playing better and paying more attention to details totally. and and everything. So I and, and then to hear Coach Harsey moved his offensive analyst that was his offense coordinator and everything at Boise in 19 and 20, 2019, 2020. Now he's becomes a receiver coach. That tells me that okay, Coach Harson is about to get more involved with the offense. Yep. And also him and Bobo has a relationship and maybe this offensive guy becomes an analyst with Mike Bobo as well in play design and everything. So now he gets a chance to relate it to the receivers because he's been in this system before the coach Harson likes to run. So I think that's the direction they're going. And like I said, I really think the other part of it was from a recruiting standpoint, because I don't know how coach Harson and coach Cornelius even knew each other, you know, right. cause they on two opposite sides of the United States. But, um, uh, So I just think that they went ahead and made this decision early and everything. It's just unfortunate that somebody had to be fired, but everybody's got to be held accountable.
1: Totally. And look, the same way that I felt about him benching Bo, I feel about this. I mean, I agree with you. It sucks because you don't want to be like, oh yeah, good call, taking away someone's job. But (laughs) it shows that like Harson will put his money where his mouth is. Like he, so many times in, you know, coaching trees and especially the longer someone is at the same place they say things but there's not much action behind it and like when harson talks about you know he's he's kind of a no-nonsense guy like he's not gonna tolerate much this proves it. it it's not just words like you've got your chances with this guy and then he will gladly move on the same way that he took tank big tank bigsby fumbled like he fumbled in a very precarious situation in a georgia state game right. where we were trailing and harson took him out like that is our best player on the field by far and harson's not gonna take it bo Nix, who is a veteran guy he Plays better at home, supposedly. We're at home trailing to Georgia State. He benches him for a guy that has not had much playing time. Like, and then wide receivers aren't playing. We're four weeks into the season. Wide receiver coach gets fired. Like, I actually appreciate how aggressive he is and and that there's a sense of urgency here. He's not looking at this as, well, it's first year and, and there's going to be some growing pains. No, this man's ready to compete and he expects high things and he's going to put action behind that. So I I take encouragement from it. I understand where people go, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, is this the, the right you know what direction to be pointing a finger that's neither here nor there we don't know everything that they know inside those walls you know all right. um, but I do think that that has to be a, a wake up for this wide receiver group the quarterback you know situation obviously has a direct implication on that position and you bring all of them together to head into a place that we have not won in since. Honestly, a lot of the guys that are playing in the game this week weren't alive the last time <laughs> that we beat LSU in Death Valley. But now, if we struggled in the pass rush against Penn State, that is a situation that has to be fixed going into LSU because they like to air it out. Mac Johnson is a pass happy quarterback. Their quarterback situation was weird going into the season. It was going to be a bit of a quarterback battle. Max Johnson, Miles Brennan. Miles Brennan had some freak like fishing yeah. injury so uh max johnson became the you know starter off the jump he's a, a still a young guy sophomore but uh they like to air it out and they've got a stud wide receiver in case Boutte, and that guy is a matchup problem for even the best secondary so you gotta key in on him the pass rush has got to figure something out with max johnson under center um And whoever we've got playing quarterback is going to have to have a great game. I I felt so good going against LSU this season, given how they looked and how I felt we were after the first two weeks. And even after Penn State, I still felt good about facing Mm -hmm. LSU. After this week, there's a lot of question marks that arise now. And if you're on this team, you got to take that as a challenge.
0: Well, I say this. I think we go in the same game plan. You went to the Penn State game as far as like running the football. That's how you take the crowd out of totally, it. I, I we totally. have a three-headed monster now. You know we didn't have Shavers that game, and the one thing that uh Hunter does really well. This guy, he's a great, great compliments to to Tank. And yeah. the only thing that concerns me with him though is in pass protection. You know, a linebacker came yeah. through there from Georgia State just blew him up right into the quarterback, <laughs> right into Bow. I was like, yeah. oh my goodness, Whoops. so. He's got to learn to drop his butt and, uh, and everything in that aspect. But I think having Shivers back helps that on third down. He's yeah, a guy that – he's a stud. He can get there and help pass protect and everything. And uh, he's a veteran. So we utilize our three bats very well. And like you say, Tank getting taken out of that 98-yard drive, I think it's going to make him even a better running back. Because Agreed. now he's he understands, like, man, Coach Harson's not playing no games. And yep. at the same time, like – I got to be accountable to my teammates. Like I fumbled the ball in the red zone on the scoring drive yeah. and critical moment of the game. So I think he approaches this the right way. I think we have one of the best running back tandems in the sec. We will come from it. So uh, I just think we're in the up and up in that direction. So I will say this though. Um, had we lost that game, everybody why well, Tank went in there in the last 98-yard drive. No, I'd have kept him on, on the side, I would have kept on the sideline too, because yep. you're trying to build a long-term success. Not, I'm not trying to please people, I'm not in the pleasing business. Like that's how right. jobs get lost. Like, no, how you please people is you hold them accountable, and then they're gonna give you better effort, and then you both hold each other accountable as a coach and a player, and yep. that's how you start to win games. So that was a great learning process for, for Tank as well. Because it doesn't, it shows that you're a great part of the team, but you're not above the team. Totally. And so I appreciate that. I just think for us going to LSU, we got to run the football and we got to win the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. We got yep. to protect who's ever playing quarterback. We got the can open up holes for these running backs and we got to get to the quarterback. I think Johnson struggles when he faced pressure. So we have got to find a way to create pressure. We can't do it in just a straight 34, then we're going to have to blitz more because our receivers, our DBs cannot hold up against receivers for that long as yeah. they have in the past. So let's see. It'd be a great weekend, great weekend for SEC football. Arkansas at Georgia, got some really Ooh. good games. So, you know, we got some blockbusters this weekend. And then the Auburn-LSU game, you know, both teams three and one. So we'll see what happens.
1: I'm very hopeful that that's how it all goes down. Obviously, a lot could be taken away from this week, and we will certainly uh, be back next week to recap all of it because I'm sure there will be plenty to talk about. Specifically, who gets that start at quarterback? Cue the uh, quarterback controversy conversations because they're inevitable at this point. But nonetheless, that's going to do it for us this week on Believe in Everything Auburn. Jason and I greatly appreciate you guys following along. Again, apologies we couldn't do one next week, last week, but uh, we'll be we'll be solid the rest of the season, I promise. But uh, make sure that you guys follow along, hit the subscribe button. If you haven't already, you'll get a notification every time we release an episode. So everyone enjoy the game this week. Make sure to tune back in for our recap and analysis next week. So until then, War Eagle.
0: War Eagle peeps. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger